Kia ora, I'm Alicia Wilson-Hetty from Te Taumata Tuia Iwi, Auckland's Regional Arts Trust. You're listening to Creative Capital, a podcast about advocacy and systems change. We're exploring the role that arts, creativity and culture play in Tamaki Makoto, with a focus on the people behind the work and their vision for the future. We hope these conversations are a simple way for us to come together as advocates and artists to navigate 2023 and beyond. This week, we're joined by Courtney Mayhew and Chelsea Winstanley, founders of Ahi Films, a new independent film distribution collective with a focus on creative-led, fresh storytelling, innovative ways to reach audiences and true collaboration. AHI is a catalyst for filmmakers to partner with a distributor that is made for the future. Chelsea is an Oscar-nominated producer and award-winning filmmaker and has been a producer, writer and director for the past two decades. Courtney has worked in film and TV for the past 15 years in Aotearoa, Australia and abroad. From production through to distribution, she has worked both in-house for studios and consulted independently. Um, Chelsea, I'll get you to introduce yourself first. Maybe um, tell us who you are and how you arrived here today. Uh, tēnā koe, Alicia. Uh, tēnā koutou katoa. Uh, ko Chelsea Winstanley tōku ingoa, nō Tauranga Moana hau, uh, nā te rangi nui, nō nai te rangi o kuiwi. Um, how did I arrive here today? Well, I arrived marongi te waka, uva. Uh, I arrived here today basically because um, my mate sitting across the table from me decided that we should have this really cool conversation with you because actually you're the bee's knees. So we're just really here because you invited us to be part of this amazing show to talk about kick-ass women apparently Mm. and what we're up to. Amazing. Thank you, Chelsea. Uh, Courtney, can I just get you to introduce yourself, please? Tēnā koe. Um, uh, tēnā koutou katoa, ko Courtney Mayhu toko ingoa. Uh, I am very lucky to be sitting next to two amazing wahine, um, and I'm stoked to be here. So thanks for having us. Amazing. So usually how I do this is I have just jotted down a couple of questions and use that as like a guiding tool and I'll just pick up on different things that you might quote it all about and, and lead from there. Um, so I was just wondering and reflecting on the amazing kaupapa that is Ahi Films, what was the catalyst for this kaupapa and how long have you been collaborating together? Do you want to go or should I? Well, I mean, personally, um, so my kind of uh, filmmaking background or career has been in the production space. So I've been making stuff for a couple of decades now. But I've always felt that um, in order to make something yours, really, or have full control over that, whatever you're making, is probably the most um, important thing that you could possibly do for not just yourself, but for future generations, because... Part of the filmmaking process involves a whole lot of different moving parts. But if you don't have control from the beginning to the very end, you can get lost, your story can get lost, it can get changed, the message can get changed when you put it out there to the world. And it might not be something that you had ever intended it to be. And I think in this environment um, where we now need to be more and more cognizant of what that ownership looks like and feels like, 
then um, for me, I've always wanted to participate in every single part of the filmmaking process. So um, in terms of what he does as a distribution company, you know, getting stories out into the world. So that's really been a space that's been occupied by nobody that looks like me, nobody that looks like Courtney. Um, and we've had to kind of be at the mercy of what these distributors determine to be good content. Mm. Now, I'm sorry, but a lot of that ain't good content and it's not content for me and it doesn't represent me and it doesn't represent a whole lot of people. And so I really wanted to be involved in this because it's not just for me. Like I say, it's for the next generation who don't have to maybe do this, be, the, be um, you know, opening that kind of door. I just want yeah. them to be in that space and be confident about that space and know what ownership of that space looks like. So um, my first foray into distribution was with What We Do in the Shadows. That was a really silly film that we made um, a few so years ago now. It's so silly and I love it so much. Uh, you know, and that was probably the per most perfect film to maybe have a go at what distribution looked like. Yeah. So we took a punt, we took a chance on, on ourselves and the content that we knew we had something really good and we knew that in order to um, put it out into the world and be in control of that, we had to participate in that. So you can traditionally give it over to a distributor if you like and most of the time you should and you have to because it's actually a lot of work and Courtney can tell you that, how much work's involved. Um, but... It was a specific film, eh? What We Do in the Shadows was a specific film with a specific talent that already knew who their audience were. Yeah. So the disconnect that we found and had worked with distributors in the past is that they don't really know the audience because they're often just brought in at the very beginning to tick a box to get some funding, often from Film Commission or other funding bodies, and then really they're out of the loop, out of the pitch, and they don't come back into the pitch until the very end. So you're about to put it out. But this is something that we want to disrupt and something that, you know, court's going to talk to for sure. So what we had to do, though, in that instance is like, fuck, okay, we've got to take a massive chance here. We've got to put some money where our mouths are. If we want this to be put out the way we want it to be put out and to be seen in the way we want, want it to be seen, we need to take a bit of a leap of faith in ourselves. So we put a shit ton of money into the release, into the distribution, because that's the other part. It doesn't come for free, eh? And, you know, as much as you want to put in cash, you also have to, you are pulling in all your favours from all sorts of people in all sorts of different directions to make that a realisation. So we just did it and we were like, you know what, this is going to be on our terms. So we did a bit of a hybrid scenario and what that meant is that we controlled the creative because it's a really important part of it. And then we used Madman really to do cinemas <laughs> and like sending the movie there. Because that was that's a whole nother meh, a whole nother beast that you have to get into. But we weren't interested in that. We were interested in getting the message to our audience. And that's something creatively that I think I'm so excited about Ahi because together we have the smarts and the brains about what that means from the filmmaking process to the end. Anyway, long story short, <laughs> we put a shit ton of money into it, crossed all the fingers, the toes, the everything, the legs, no more children, um, did all the things. And then we were the highest grossing film of New Zealand local film of that year. And I truly believe we were because we were right behind it, 100%. The creatives were behind it. So it was our message going out there. We were creating it. We did crazy shit like, you know, make a, made a bear with um, our name on it. We, like, changed that Wellington sign down at the airport. Um, we were at the Comic-Con kind of convention of New Zealand with all our actors, like, getting all made up. But, you know, this is all the stuff you've got to do to drum up all the support. 
to make that happen. We were just doing stupid little things, but having fun with it, that's the biggest thing I think is you got to have fun, eh? So when this um, opportunity came around, it actually, Courtney and I had met back in Sundance 2019 um, with a film, Meditate How Mum Decolonise the Screen. And it was just one of those, you know, you meet someone and you're like, yep, we're going to work together and some form, some capacity, and then just as the years kind of rolled over and just checking in with each other, knowing there's a gap, there's a gap to be filled, and um, who else is going to do it? Well, us, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Courtney, have you got anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, like, as Charles said, it was like what what I think is really cool is this could have been something that could have been just talked about. We could have just every time we caught up and had a coffee or went for a walk. That's all we just did is talk about it. But what I'm happy is that we have got to the point where we're doing it. Yeah. Um, Because I think it's really easy in the film industry in particular to – someone uh, used a certain analogy with me recently and it was a guy – he was the CEO of a company and he was talking about how you walk in – when he first bought his house, there was a chandelier there that they were like – super ugly like I want to get rid of that chandelier super ugly they move in you know other things take precedence years later the chandelier is still there and I think what you can do and what I do is I talk about that in terms of our um, fan extractor for our oven in my house which when I walked in I was like that's so ugly and it's still been there for two years because everything else has taken precedence (laughs) so we could have sat there and kind of gone yeah now that should change that should change but you just end up just doing the same same old same old so when I'd come back from Australia, Charles was back from LA and we had a corridor around it and, um, you know, basically with COVID and all those things meant things dragged out a bit. Um, but then we got to this place and, yeah, it was just about shared values yeah. and shared ideals and um, going, okay, um, what can we actually do together to material, materially put that into action? Yeah, that's so exciting. I love that. So reflecting on that, I guess, um, and something I was thinking about in relation to this space is like, and I and I found this quote and I thought I'd read this to you and, and see how this lands. Imagination is one of the most powerful modes of resistance that oppressed and exploited folks can do and use. Bell Hook said that. And I've been reflecting on that idea a lot the way you both are reimagining what is possible for the film sector, I think, and and storytelling more broadly. Um, what is possible when Wahine are leading and holding Kopapa on their own terms? And as you continue to navigate into the future, like what do you envision for yourselves, for Ahi? and more broadly for wahine. And I know there's a whole bunch of questions in that, so you can choose (laughs) what you would like to extract, but I really think there is such um, power in imagination and we're living in someone's imagination and it isn't ours. And I keep revisiting this in all of the mahi that I do as well. So what does it mean to reimagine something different, and I feel like that's actively what you're both doing with this co-papa. Real light question, babe. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. 
I reckon like, when you said, so, so it was three, it's, what does it mean for us? What does it mean for others? What does it mean for Ahi? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, for me personally, it was getting to a point of being confident enough to stop just being the consultant, the advice giver, the, oh, I think you guys should do this and I, and I will guide other people. And, but ultimately they are, they're the ones at the end of the day who are helming the walker and who, you know, will be kind of seeing the benefits of, the, of that advice. And I was like, I actually want to be able to make the decisions myself now. I want to be able yeah. to actually step into that place where it was <clears throat> not just hoping and wishing that someone listens to your advice. It's going, no, nah, no, nah, I, can, I can do that. Um, for others, and this is something that I've learned a lot from working with Chelsea in particular, um, and Tao Māori in general, is about always thinking about the next generation. Yeah. So, like, I'm always thinking about my niece and nephew a lot more. Um, and what we can do to make, you know, to make our little corner and our little our little industry better for those that are going to come after us. Yeah, and that that can that can come in the form of just representation and just them seeing it, or it can come in the form of just like distributing some really cool films. Yeah, <laughs> that other people aren't going to distribute. Um, and then for Ahi, I just want Ahi to be. Um, in the future, I just want it to be something that feels like uh, a sure bet. Everyone knows what it is. They see that Ahi logo. They get the vibe. They get the kaupapa. Um, and then that they also know that we're a safe place for filmmakers, um, that we understand the filmmaking process because there is quite a difference between the business side as in the distribution, which is what we do, and the actual making of it. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been fortunate to step on a lot of film sets in my career and then also step into a lot of boardrooms. And there's a real dis disconnect in the way those people talk yeah. to each other. Yeah. So I think I really want Ahi to be a place where that disconnect is not present as, as much, um, that it's collaborative and that we, we get known for knowing how to take really fresh ideas and awesome storytellers to audiences because we are at a really like tricky stage in the screen industry. Yeah. Everyone's fighting Bibles. Um, and it is really hard because you cannot do what you used to do. I can't, I can't market a film like I used to when I was 23 years old and I had my first job as a marketing assistant at Paramount Pictures New Zealand. That yeah. used to just be so easy. Um, and now you've just got to think a little bit more out of, out of the box. So I just want to, yeah, I'd hope that we're, we're known for being a bit out of the box, taking risks. Yeah, I love that. Calculated risks, not too much. <laughs> not losing money. <laughs> we have to make money. <laughs> <laughs> that was me just getting rid of money. Like. <laughs> um, I suppose, yeah, for me and Totoko, heaps of what you're talking about, sis, but, um, you know, I guess what we're doing and what we want to do is a distribution disruption. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of what we're all about because we've participated, like you say, in the space, you know, you've been part of those campaigns or been in those boardrooms or been in part of this distributing films and just like hands up in the air or you're just rolling eyes because people either um, take your ideas and roll with them in happy days, which is great. But then, yeah, you know, it's where does that... Um, for me, it's mana motuhake. For me, mm -hmm. it's tino tiratanga. And that's what having participating in every part of that filmmaking process and pipeline does. And for the future, it will show 
just all sorts of things, whether it be it is representation, but also about women in charge of their own financial literacy, business. Being in charge of all those things is super important for not just our daughters, but our boys too, to enable them to understand that they can actually participate in all of it and they should participate in all of it because it's their stories. By the way, love a bit of Belle. Oh, Belle Hooks. Yeah. Imagination isn't, I mean, stories are, they come from imagination, you know, or iterations of something else that exists or whatever, but it's all imagination. She's on point. She is, eh? Mm. Yeah, she's awesome. So thinking about that, like as we think into the future and we're in these spaces and there's disruption and movement and you know, fluidity, I suppose, and also thinking about what it means to um, have sovereignty over how you choose to engage with what that looks like. How do we foster environments that enable and empower wahine to have careers in this beastie beast that is the film industry? What do you think that looks like? Not leaving them alone is Mm. a big one. I've been a, a lot of the time in spaces I've been the only one. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I'm at the age and stage now where that's fine, but there were times when that was really difficult. Yeah. And that I, I feel that we're past the point of tokenism, obviously. You know, it's, it's, it's support um, is, a, is a huge one. Um, so that would be probably my key thing to say about what, you, what we can do for wahine is just, d- just envelope and surround them and... And um, ensure that they're not alone. Yeah. Mm. Do you see it shifting? Is it shifting, do you think? I think so. I think there's an awareness of it. I think then, I mean, the thing is the film industry is a beast, right? So there's so many different areas of it. um, And and it's a confusing beast to to outsiders. Mm -hmm. I mean, my partner still like kind of throws up her hands about certain things when I'm like, no, no, oh, no that's not happening anymore. She's like, wasn't that happening like next week? I'm like, yeah, it got cancelled. You know, like I've had, like, it's it's very volatile. It's very it's very emotional because it's all creatives. Yeah. And um, it's, it's beautiful in many ways, but it is kind of unregulated and a little bit hectic. But you have these many different areas. And so when, you know, for example, the Me Too movement obviously erupted out of the film industry, yeah, um, but it probably only really materially affected a l- certain areas of the film industry, yeah, um, and especially, you know, when it came to production and things like that, which is really important. Um, but there's a whole other ecosystem, which is film festivals, which is buyers, which is distribution, which is the that business end that I was kind of talking to, um, and and most of the people that you see in in Areas of power there are still men, um, and there's people come. There's hundred percent. Yeah, I do think there's people coming up. I think it's potentially not intersectional enough, though. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's yeah. like one type of woman that's, you know, winning over others, unfortunately. So I think that we've just got we've just got to keep trying. Just got to get better. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because these are the people deciding what we watch on screen. Yeah, and they're not representation. Like the film industry is not representational in any way, shape, or form. Of society in terms yeah. of who is in power. Yeah. So, um, and that, you know, we all know how much stories influence us and how much what a, a young person sees up on the screen is going to stay with them. Absolutely. So, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. 
What do you think, Chelsea? Um, going back to your original question is about creating safe spaces mm-hmm. for women to either feel, you know, the great thing about Ahi is that you'll walk into the office and the beautiful environment that courts kind of created in that space, you feel at home. Um, that's really important. Because, yeah, if you're coming in as a filmmaker and wanting to share a story, it's a vulnerable thing to do. Yeah. Um, And especially for women. So I think that's really beautiful that um, there is a really safe space to do that. And we've already got so many women coming to us with stories. It's awesome. It's awesome. And that's such a good point, though, physical space. Like, I was like, we need toys in here. Like, we need, like, because I was just like, I want if if a producer's like, I've got a... What kind of toys, babe? Oh, yeah. It's all... (laughs) all, toys. No, no. That's a different podcast, babe. That's another film. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it is like there was a lot of thought to the point where it's probably been too much thought in terms of the actual physical space for me when it came to Ahi. Like I wanted it to feel like it was someone's home and anyone that could walk in there and not feel out of place and not feel like it wasn't for them. Um, And that's that's everything that we're going to do is going to going to be striving for that. Whether we achieve it, let's see. But yeah, it's... It's also taking risks, eh? Well, I mean, it shouldn't be called a risk, though, but about giving women opportunities and chances to have a go in particular parts of the industry. Um, We do this a lot in production all the time. We're always trying to support women in those roles. And another, um, you know, thing we do with the... (laughs) talking about imagination, reimagining the Disney films, that's all women working behind the scenes in that company, you know? Like... Um, and allowing us to grow capacity in roles of writing, directing, producing, performance, acting. So that'll be the same for us in terms of Ahi. It's about actually seeing who's out there because the distribution space is a creative space Mm. and there's so many opportunities to maybe give women who never thought that they can have a career in that. You know, you talk about it before, about all those different roles that are involved in putting, um, you know, a film out into the world. How do you communicate? Well, we are 50% of the population, well, just women in general, whatever, but that's a whole lot of the audience that haven't really been served before. But how do we speak to each other? And, like, yeah, to the point of distribution also being a creative space. Like, I literally on the way here was on a call with our, like, whole team that are working across the release of a film called Talk To Me that we're releasing in Australia and New Zealand with some partners. And there was 10 of us on the call and there was one guy. <laughs> and yeah. I kind of realised, yeah. I was like, oh, I really did assemble. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it, and it, but it's it, it, but the film, it, it's, 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 you know, I've been in the other flip side and some, it, it, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but it was a nice kind of feeling, um, to, to see all these amazing... And there's some really awesome creative ideas that were being thrown out about this amazing film that we've got. Yeah, cool. It's a good feeling. Well, I think that's the thing too, isn't it, is that often there's this attitude of, well, that person isn't qualified enough, but who gets to quantify that anyway? Because how do people learn? I mean, I've seen so many... She said mediocre, I can tell from the eyes. Oh, yeah, I can't. I just I can't actually say it out loud. But... When I talk to people who I'm like, how did you get into it? And then you find out and you're like, oh, my gosh. You know, like it's just it, – it is pe- – we, we do we do gravitate to what we – who we are. Yeah. And so we'll – you know, that's that's like, a, oh, we're younger me, those kinds of things. That always happens with people. But um, 
there is a, there, I'm not going to lie, there is a lack of, you know, while going through hiring, it's really hard to find people who aren't white who have experience in yeah. the um, distribution space across Australia and New Zealand, which is really, really disheartening. Um, and, yeah, we've just got to build it then. That's all. Yeah. And do you think there there is an – is there an appetite, do you think, for, like, actually building that capacity in that part of the, the sector? Or what do you think needs to happen in order for that to be a clearer pathway? I think that there's an appetite for it, but I don't think – I think there's, like, a – it kind of goes back to that safe space thing. It's, it's also going – yeah, you can bring some juniors in, yeah. but the people that are all telling them what to do are, you know, <clears throat> of a different demographic to them, and that can make them feel unsafe sometimes. So I think there's an appetite, but there's like a there's a lack of awareness of how to actually go about it. There's yeah, a bit more of, of talking. It's you know, it's a lot more in the content. It's a lot more in the like, oh yeah, we know we need to distribute, you know, more representation, more representational content. Yeah, but then the teams themselves potentially aren't that are getting it out there to the world. Yeah, got yeah. So what you're saying is infiltration? Yes. 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 Love that. What I'm saying is, does anyone want to come work for us? <laughs> <laughs> she said job offer. Yeah. <laughs> well, because often it's shoulder tapping. Hey? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's people will just hugely in this industry. It's so or, tiny. Yeah. That's right. It's so tiny. So, um, you know, you have to be the change you want to see in a way. So we have to do that. We have to open those doors. We have to try and and just educate people too that there's some really interesting creative jobs in this in this space that maybe people haven't thought about before. Yeah, that's yeah. the other thing. It's not a job that I even knew about when I was at school or at university, you mm. know? Like there's just not it's not a it's it's a cuz in in Australia and New Zealand typically distribution in general, once you get in you don't leave. Yeah. And, and a big reason is cuz it's a, it's a sweet deal. Like yeah. it is like once you once you go oh okay maybe I'll go like I'm in marketing all right sweet I'll just go see what else I can do mm, okay I don't know if I really want to market banking products you know like yeah it, when you've been in this like film space which is it is really exciting you get to watch movies at work <laughs> it is it, you don't want to leave it and so what happens is the same people stay and they're there for a very very long time and I think it's why sometimes we we become it's so stupid for something that is. Um, you know, about entertainment and, and actually relies on technology and things like that. Sometimes it's just extremely old school in comparison to other industries because there's not a, there's not fresh blood always going in. Yeah. Um, and there is a real thing of, oh, only hire people that have film experience. And I, and I understand that because I have been in those situations where I've hired people who didn't have film experience. And yes, you do have to, because there are some weird nuances yeah. to film distribution that you have to. But yeah, I, um, I think it's, yeah, about letting people know that we exist. <laughs> yeah, and it is an exciting space to work because yeah. the content is always fresh. Always fresh, yeah. You you're know, basically you're... working on a new product every like every couple of weeks. It's mm. like it's like constant startups. Like mm. you're always, and then you just, yeah. So it's really good for people who have like a project-based mentality. Or ADHD. Yeah. Or ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hands up, ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Yep, 100%. Are you saying, I suppose, in that part of the, the machine that is moving, are you saying that there is more genuine um, diversity and, and in terms of the storytelling? Are you seeing a shift in that space? I reckon Charles is a filmmaker. It'd be cool to hear your... 
Well, yep, for sure. Um, because people are feeling more confident about yeah. um, people uh, accepting of ideas or want to hear them and then want to see them. Because you imagine what the you know environment or landscape looked like even, whatever, 10 years ago. If you've got stale, pale, male, white dudes as distributors um, and you've got to go and kind of you know, get some interest from them in order for you to get some money from the film commission or another funding body. And they're probably just staring you blank and they're like, because you want to make a film about my bleeding vagina or something like that. Well, back 10 years ago, they'd just be like, ah, mm. I don't see an audience for that. It's like, no, of course you don't because you don't bleed. Yeah. But guess yeah. what? Half of us bleed and we bleed every month. Like, yeah. you know, and maybe that topic too back then would be a bit like, oh, I'm not sure. But I I just saw a poster for like a vampire film about this woman who has bats and a bleeding vagina or something. It's like, you wouldn't see that. Like, dude, is it? I mean, you'd see it? it, but you just, you probably wouldn't see Like, we would, you know, you wouldn't come across it. Yeah, you wouldn't come across it. But it's I want to see that you know, movie. Yeah, you I wanna, know. Right? You want to see it? A whole lot of. Bats going hard out. <laughs> oh, anyway. Yeah, I think you're getting them. I see it internationally, like with the films that come to us, because we obviously acquire both local and international films, and there are some really interesting international ones um, that come your way, even out of the US. Um, and then there's a lot of like really good intentions that aren't quite getting there, like people yeah. going, oh, this is, you know, because it's a. It's telling the story, it's underrepresented story, but then you dig into the way they're telling it and who they're using to tell it, and you're like, okay, not quite, we're not quite there yet. Yeah. Um, That's a really good point, actually, and yeah. it's a good, really powerful place for us to be because, um, you know, there hasn't been much responsibility about that yeah. Um, yeah. for a long time about who is telling these stories, who is behind telling them. So if you can be part of that conversation where you're like, hang on a minute, are you the right people to even be telling that story? It can actually be helpful in a way <laughs> to producers and filmmakers because I've probably never had many people maybe just say, hey, hang on a minute, are you the actual right people to tell this story? Because at the yeah, end of the day... We're, we're not the arbiters of that, right? It's, nah, but it's good to not. ask them. It's That's so the great good. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a business, mm, sure, yeah. and people are going, I'm, I'm, I want to make money. So, sure, you want to make money, but out of who and how are you going to do that? And have you got the right permission to be extracting that story to commodify it? Yeah, totally. I think that is being a bit more considered now, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I don't think we've fully arrived or sitting in that properly, but it is refreshing to see that we're, we're at least, like, we're, we're kind of there. There's yeah, still a lot I mean, of work to be of, done. I think a lot of the, <laughs> we're kind of there. And, and I think a lot of the reason why we're getting there is that people see it as like, I don't want a potential comms crisis as opposed to it actually coming from a good good place. Yeah. <laughs> but that's fine. Like if that's the reason that you say no to a film because you're like, this is going to get cancelled on Twitter and it rightly should or whatever. Um, fine. Let's, but like there's still, we're all still navigating and working through the kinks and who, you know, st story authenticity and story sovereignty is going to be an ongoing thing that we're never, ever going to completely settle. We just have to always be kind of attuned to it and listen to communities and what they want and, um, and individuals, you know, no yeah. community is homogenous. I've said this so many times to filmmakers when they're like, we've got this one advisor and I'm like, I can't, that's cool but it doesn't feel right still yeah totally and I think that is often the risk when you're um centering uh you know diverse communities in these in these conversations is that often people do think it's a monolith and I think from my um experience of occupying space in the pride community 
I'm like, it's not a monolith and we don't all hold hands and sing Kumbaya. It's not the same experience. So how do you be more considered when you're wanting to have a, a multitude of different stories being told? Consider that a little bit more deeply or interrogate that a little bit more deeply when you're collaborating with people. Yeah, and because I've been that advisor and that consultant as well, like accidentally. So like yeah. with the Pride community stuff, like I've worked on queer films, especially when I was in Australia, and they would ask me stuff that I'm like, that look, if, if it's a if it's around, like I can say from me as a as a bisexual woman, I'll give you my point of view, but like no, that's a that's not an issue that that I feel qualified. You need to talk to someone else about it. Yeah, and that yeah. Yeah, when you've been that person as well, you kind of know that it's not fair to be lumping it on one person as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I remember in an an email once someone saying to me, we have a drag queen coming to set, what pronouns should we use? I was like, ask them. (laughs) Just ask. I mean, this is the other thing, right? Like, I think (laughs) we are in a weird part of human history at the moment where there doesn't feel like there is a lot of space for people just to get it wrong, which I'm like, get it wrong. It's actually okay to get it wrong. It's how you learn from that or what does the learning look like or how do we create better environments for people to sit in uncomfortability and learn? Mm. Because I think there isn't a lot of space to do that currently for whatever reason because, you know, cancel culture, which I find is a, the bane of my life every time I start to really unpack what that actually is because it, I think it uses shame in such a um, reductive way of people of like, you got it wrong, mm. they're going to shame you, you're going to go in the corner and you're going to be quiet. And usually that tactic is used on women a lot of like, you got that wrong, now shut up and we never want to hear from you again, go into your little cave and stay there. And I just think that's really reductive because Actually, these conversations that we're having when we're thinking about story sovereignty and um, decolonization and what that means and, and, and what that actually looks like in real time, they're really, really uncomfortable conversations to be having with each other, but they're necessary. And I'm a bit of a weirdo. I think uncomfortability is absolutely my kink. The more uncomfortable, the better. I'm like, let's just sit in that. Just sit there. Like, why do you feel uncomfortable? Question yourself and why that feels uncomfortable to you and encourage each other to actually just be okay with being uncomfortable. We don't all have to have the answers. That's a part of the journey is like learning together, I think. And people probably, there's so much fear based around it. Yeah. And people just like, it's like, oh, how do we, how do we get there fast then? Like, okay, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. Um, now what? Now what? Give me the answer. But yeah. it doesn't, there's not necessarily an end or no one has the perfect um, answer or timeline or time frame for that because we're in such a transitional stage of society anyway. Every generation is facing some kind of fuck up from the previous one to fix a fuck up from the other one that fucked yeah. up fucking whatever, you know. Like, yeah. And we're now we're in this st- stage of like, oh, my God, decolonizing our colonised mind. Oh, my God, I'm going to run around this colonised circle. I'm like, ah. Um, and it's just a constant, life is just constantly learning. Yeah. I'm on this freaking trip right now about soul collision <laughs> what what, yeah, what like, is that the fuck are you doing? <laughs> we so haven't you, discussed this soul collision a new film babe yeah, yeah no. i haven't heard that one yeah well i fully believe that we are 
really on this earth to become, you know, better versions of ourselves. And every relationship we have, whether it's for five minutes, an hour, ten years, whatever, it's your soul just colliding, so with another soul. Yeah. Um, whether it be your kids even, like, you know, because we, we take such ownership of our children, but really they're just they're fucking human person. beings. And they're yeah. going to fuck up, so are our friends or our exes or our whatever in our lives. And it just helps you to kind of compartmentalise everyone's journey and not take shit so personally. Anyway, that's yeah. my soul collision. I love that. I love oh, that. Yeah, so the, soul, the soul collision thing's actually a really good thing to overlay onto cancel culture because we don't think of that. It's more of this one-sided, we're going to come down on you thing. I mean, mm. the, you remember, Chelsea, you and I were talking about this the other day, actually. We were, I can't remember what it was and like, what context it was, but I was talking about a, uh, a podcast I'd been listening to, which was saying, you know, uh, the amount of decisions that get made on outrage online, yeah, which hasn't actually been quantified yet. It, we just get too, so scared of it. So, for example, let's say a million people listen to this podcast. That'd be nice. Ten, that'd be nice, eh? <laughs> a, a million million of you are now listening to this podcast. I mean, it'd be one step closer to but, what has become an in-joke with my team around me having a talk show. Perfect. So, there we go. A million, a million people, let's say, watching your talk show. You have me and Chelsea on your talk show. 10,000 of those people decide that they hate me and they, they talk about it online. That's yeah. a relatively small amount of the one million. But imagine if only those 10,000 people are making noise. You yeah. would think every 990,000 others also hated me. That's the assumption. And so we we haven't figured out how to actually read that properly in no, culture. We haven't, yeah. There's no nuance. It's just, I mean, there's literally, there's literally films have been made based on this. Films have been cancelled based on this kind of stuff. There's been so many mistakes. I will make mistakes in the future. I know I will based on freaking out about what I see on social media. Um so I just think that we, we just haven't kind of figured out how to reconcile the nuance of, of so-called cancel culture. Yeah. Well, and maybe like giving more noise to the love, like fuck the hate. There's so oh, much. Yeah, yeah, we give so much space to hate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. And I think that's something, and it keeps resurfacing in, in even these episodes that we have been having and making around um, joy and how joy is actually super, super radical. And I think... It shouldn't be, but actually it is quite radical. And so what does that look like when we sit in that and that's the the driver and we're moving out of like a real scarcity kind of mindset and into more abundant thinking? And I think it is when you, in, in industries that are creative that have very limited resource a lot of the time and are hugely competitive, I think it's really easy to get stuck in the scarcity of, oh, there's not enough, and if that person has that piece of the pie, then what do I? What am I going to have? I don't think we can afford to do that anymore. It's like, well, actually, there's enough space for everyone, and if we move towards that and, and, and what that looks like, then actually we all win, and that's a really, that is leading with aroha, opposed to this, like, oh, well, that guy's got that thing, and now I have nothing. Like, I don't think we can afford to continue moving that way mm. anymore. And that's kind of, it's like how I want to proceed with the team at Ahi is like, stop with the comparisons. Let's not look at what everyone else is doing and go, oh, they're doing it crap. Like, we're going to do it so much better. Just let's talk about how awesome we can do it. 
Yeah. Like that's that's another key thing because I definitely get pulled into that because it is it's just it is the, again the way the film industry is we we publish our box office results every weekend what are the industries like every weekend this is how much money we made it's so weird yeah the whole reason they did they did that to begin with was it's a pissing contest right um, and so it creates a very very competitive and comparative environment which I don't think is healthy. Um, and it's more just about going, all right, yeah, how can you proceed with joy and love and enjoy what you're doing and know that you're doing something cool and interesting? Well, um, unfortunately, yeah, because it's, it's a business. So yep. we have to, yeah. the, the trouble is like... <laughs> Damn it, is it? Yeah, right? <laughs> so we have to fucking, um, you know, rationalise the commodification of art, which is yeah, fucked up. that's like, real hard. That makes it really hard because you do want to make really good, compelling stories that maybe aren't going to make a shit ton of money like at the box office. Mm. Kind of thing. You have the other side of the industry that are going, well, I'm only going to give you my money or my equity or my investment if you can show me and prove to me that it's going to make me money. And you're like, ah, well, it's kind of going to be a little bit like this and a little bit like that. But then, oh, no, we don't want to compare. Ah, this is something fresh, new, believe in me. Oh, my God. Um, we have to get to the space where when you look at film, Anyway, and it's um, history of it's trends and it goes in cycles. And yeah. It's like what's fucking hot like decade ago, not so much anymore. Um, uh, the genre space as well is another interesting one. But maybe and hopefully we can be part of um, this era where we are celebrating joy. Like I remember you know, years ago when you're making films and you think about what f festival it's going to go into or whatever, it'd be like, it's not going to get into that one because they just care about fucking dark shit and sexual abuse. It's like, oh, gone to those eras. Like, but no, seriously, you know, people be like, oh, I just want a dark film. Like certain festivals or certain countries just want to see like just, you know, sad ass stories, whatever, or what people would maybe consider to be... Um, uh, like poverty porn or that mm. kind of thing, you know, yeah. people like down and out. Well, let's fucking celebrate people instead. Let's have some stories that are uplifting and and kind of shake off that veil of, oh, you're fucking hippies, you're whatever, you're like dreamers, you're da-da-da. There's nothing wrong with joy. It's like we need to change and well, so spread that message. Also, people want to watch joy just as an aside. Yes. That's what's actually making money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that yeah. and yeah. horror, which is weird. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's... Uh, it is interesting how how many dark films are being made because of I think like COVID and everything like that. But that's not actually what you know. People need to see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, absolutely, and I think there is an interesting tension because it is a business. So, but unfortunately, I think it's often skewed to like, is this going to be commercially successful without maybe considering is this culturally successful and what does cultural success look like in that landscape because I know as a um, performance artist that I've made works that have been, they have, I've lost money. I have yeah. lost money. But culturally, I feel like they were successful because something shifted. Mm. So if there's a way in which we can, I guess, balance both of those things because, you know, no one wants to be a struggling artist either. Like how do we find a balance between what does commercial and cultural success look like? It goes to your point of mistakes as well because we, we don't often think about or allowing those communities that haven't occupied mm. the space to give them the opportunity to make mistakes too. We just expect yeah. them to. 
Like, okay, hurry up, come on, make this Te Reo Māori feature film that we've all been waiting for, whatever. You should be able to do it now, and where's all the scripts for it? It's like, fuck, hang on a minute. You fellas have been occupying the space for ages, decades, making yeah. mistakes, making some shit films, by the way. <laughs> some pretty good ones, too. But, you know, then you expect us to just come and pull this out of our ass? Like, well, like fr- from where? And, ha- yeah. like, give us the space to create and have a go and make the mistakes or whatever. Like, don't compare us to a culture that's occupied the space and has been allowed to grow. Yeah. Give us the space to grow as well. So true. I there's, love that. There's some really good stats around that in terms of female filmmakers, eh? Like ones that have made one mistake and then just disappeared. They're just done. And then you look at the bros and they can make mistake and mistake and mistake and they still get funded. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's definitely something to be said, obviously, for doing it for the culture. And, you know, we, we're trying to allow that within our within our framework of like, yeah, we've, we've got to make some money. And but how do we then still do those things that we know we, we will lose money on? Yeah. Um, it's just it's just about being smart about it. But we know that they're going to be culturally important. Um, yeah. Yeah, totally. It's delicate balance. It is a delicate balance. Mm. I think we're getting there slowly but surely. I'm very optimistic. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> we have to be, eh? Yeah. Hope. And this is where you play hope for a generation. Yeah, I know. Fat, <laughs> <it's strong. laughs> I literally went to go sing it. I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> so yeah. I, I suppose thinking about that then and then kind of thinking mm. up and out again and into the future and what that can look like, what, what... Let me just get more questions. What is your hope for film practitioners practicing out of Aotearoa when you look to the future and what that could potentially look like? I really want our stories to travel more than they do. Yeah. Which is weird coming from a distribution company that's specialising in Australia and New Zealand right now. Um, But it's something that we as a distribution company aren't turning our eyes away from. Yeah. We're very much wanting to help filmmakers in that in that space. Um, so I really want them to, yeah, be able to um, to travel like they should and deserve to be. Uh, but I think also <clears throat> probably my next one is just like finding the audiences that they deserve to find because there's been way too many um, amazing films that I've loved and no one I know has seen them. Uh, yeah. And I know all the reasons for that, and I get, I get it. It's always going to happen. It's always, but I just think as much as as much as everyone in the industry can possibly do, to to try and actually get to audiences, the better, because yeah. discoverability is such a massive issue in general. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, people don't know what they don't know, and they don't yeah. know what they don't see, and so you know, I think truly we have to be part of that when we make stories. And everyone has a story to tell. We're all human beings. We have yeah. shared experiences. We talk about, you know, the Indigenous experience. There's a billion Indigenous people around the world. They've got the same shit going on that, you know, is a direct relationship to colonisation, which is just hundreds of years of of oppression. But it comes out in kind of similar ways, you yeah. know. So that means we have a global audience for our films. We just do. But we're not the only, um, or like, people to be telling a particular story there are so many subsets of society that we could rep and could get films out to because the world the globe is we can get there you know yeah 
so I I see us taking over the universe to be fair. So yeah. Okay. I'm into it. I'm totally into <laughs> yeah. it. I'm totally into it. I, yeah. I'm, yeah. I see I see a future of little sleep. I said, no. <laughs> no, I'm down. But lots of happy but, little, you know, generations to come. Yeah. Because Courtney yeah. fucking opened that door for them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is it, right? It's like often, and I've been reflecting on this in my own arts practice, sometimes when you're doing the doing, you probably won't see the fruits of your labour. And that's actually okay too. I think settling that in yourself and going, but it's going to be a little bit better for the next person behind me and that feels good. That feels really good to know that, you know, it's small cultural shift and we're all in the doing of shifting the culture in whatever way that might embody. And that's quite exciting to think that it's going to just be, what will that look like once we're all like, you know, taking over the universe as we all are? Mm. Um, and how will that shift and change the culture? So that's really exciting to me. Um, what I yeah. would like to add to that kind of massive big dream is it's okay just to plant the seed. Yeah. You know, just okay to plant the kakanoa, but at least you're doing that part. Yeah, yeah, totally. You don't have to then stress out your entire life then trying to make that a realisation because it might not happen. Yeah, but totally. Are you doing that because I look stressed? Are you making sure I know that? <laughs> self-care. No, she said no self-care. because I'm like, I'm thinking about my own exit strategy from life now. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> when do I always want to be lying on the beach chilling out? No. Uh, because sometimes that stops people from doing anything. Yeah. Is to think that the goal is way unachievable or too big. It's not. You just have to start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, oh, I could talk to you both forever, but we we do have to wrap this up. Um, so I would just like to acknowledge you both and your generosity in this court at all. And I'm so Genuinely so excited to see how you continue to um, fuck it up with Ahi Films in the <laughs> best way possible. Then now you cue Cuff It, fiancé. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, we're going to fuck it up. We're going to disrupt yeah. the distribution space. That's the whole goal. Dreamy. It's going to be so rad. I'm very excited. Nah, I'm excited. I'm I'm pumped. I'm very pumped. That's the best thing about working with someone like Chelsea is like I feel like I just want to mention this is one of the cool cool things is both Chelsea and I, I feel like when we come up against a challenge, instead of being like, oh crap, okay, fine, we're like, oh okay, how can we how can we get around this? Yeah, you know, there's like an excitement to to something going wrong. Weirdly, it's not. It's like a how can we fix this? And and that's such a cool place to be in because I've worked it with other people who it's all doom and gloom when you come against a challenge. Um, that kind of just constantly feeling like, yeah, like let's let's just let's just be one better and like, yeah, how how can we how can we work this for us and and for everyone that we want to work with? Yeah, it's awesome. Love that. And we're off to Cannes in a couple of weeks, so check in with us, see and how we go there. And then Beyonce in Paris, but you're not coming. <gasps> Shut up! Don't rub that in. <laughs> I've got to go to New York to raise money for. Uh, <laughs> don't make me feel bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, thank you. That's been awesome. Kia ora. Thanks so much for listening to Creative Capital, brought to you by Te Taumata Toya Iwi. You can learn more about our mahi at www.tetaumatatoyaiwi.org.nz. 
please also get in touch with any feedback or ideas for the series too. Namahinoe.